0: Hey there, I'm Tiffany Youngren, owner of OMH Agency, and welcome to Breakaway Agent. In a world full of real estate pros struggling to get ahead, there are a few who emerge and become wildly successful. If you are or are working to become one of these Breakaway Agents, then this show is for you. Thank you so much for listening, and you know, even if you just get one thing out of this episode that helps your business grow, that's a huge win, and hopefully you'll get a few nuggets to help you move forward. Today I'm really excited to welcome Alex Gandel, Realtor of Pinnacle Estate Properties, Inc. in Simi Valley, California. Alex has been a top producing Realtor in Simi Valley since 1980. He was number 15 out of over 110,000 agents nationwide for Century 21 Real Estate for 2018 and he is celebrating 39 years in real estate. At the beginning of 2019, Alex became a member of the Pinnacle Estate Properties and Simi Valley sales team. In addition to being a dedicated business professional and family man, Alex has also co-authored a best-selling book titled The Essential Guide to Buying and Selling Luxury Real Estate. Alex, welcome.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. I appreciate it. Well, how about if uh, you just start out and we and tell us kind of what you do and what's gotten you to where you are right now?
1: Well, when I started doing this a long time ago, it was um, a very different world. you know, things were a lot more simple, and um, it was it, the real estate people had all of the information. so the consumer needed us more than they do now. But what's never changed is the relationship side of the business and how you uh, go about um, creating and maintaining and nurturing those relationships over time, whether they be, personal whether they be from a farm perspective whether they they be working your sphere of influence meaning people that you know that you you know that you can touch and reach out to just to try to always be top of mind when it comes to real estate i happen to work in a community that's relatively small Um, we're northwest of los angeles the next valley in east ventura county so and it's its own little isolated valley so it's roughly nine by two two and a half miles and um so it's been a little bit easier because um, it is isolated. So you can become um, impactful in a way that uh, where it's not as diluted. For example, in an area as large as say the San Fernando Valley, where it's you know 20 by 10, and there's three or four million people living there, where there's 135,000 or, or 140,000 in our community, mm-hmm. and to leave our community you have to climb a mountain and go either to the next valley or whatever it might be. So ultimately though the way i started saying this was it's all about the relationships and that's and that's what i focused on for forever
0: that's awesome That's true that's one of those things that just never changes
1: no and and we're in a kind of a nameless faceless world you know so the person that's able to uh, go out and and create those relationships and and with 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 the consumer potential client understanding that it isn't necessarily about the money um that it's about how you can best serve them um, when you can convey that message and they and they t- uh, trust in that message and you live that life um, the business will come to you actually that's yeah. what will happen that's so true
0: well, and you have a lot of experience, and obviously, I've seen several cycles in real estate.
1: Right. Um,
0: it really, I believe that everyone has strengths and um, what I like to call their superpowers, and it it really spe- the what you've been able to accomplish really speaks to the fact that you I I believe that you've leaned into those. Um, and beforehand, I had asked you a little bit about that, um, and you had said that you identify one of your top superpowers as being very well branded in your community and having a great reputation. Would right. you elaborate on that?
1: When I started college, I actually went to school to become a CPA. And I just told the story yesterday. I, I grew up um, in a stable middle-class life in the sixties. and But there wasn't a lot of extras. We were never hungry. It wasn't about that. Um, I just happened to grow up in an, in an area where I was adjacent. I went to schools where there were a lot of People, uh, kids, if you will, who came from families that had a lot more material, materially, I guess I should say. Um, and in fact, I'm still very, very good friends with a couple of my buddies I met in kindergarten. So we're all 60 now. So we've been friends for 55 years.
0: <laughs> That's cool. And
1: it's very cool. There's nine of us total, actually, and we're all still close. So a bunch of us went down to San Diego State together. And I took, um, I started uh, my first year in college. You know, you take your basics, and one of them was economics, and I just really enjoyed economics. I don't know what it was; it just clicked with me. Um, so I spent a lot of time in the office of the of the professor. His name was Doctor Nikos Mortides I'll, I'll never forget. <laughs> and the second semester, um, I was asking him about something. I, I certainly don't remember what it was, but we were talking, and he said, "How how's the accounting thing coming for you?" And he had gotten to know me, and I and I said, "You know, I, I hate it, but I I see it as a way to be able to pr- eventually." you know have a good living and provide for my family and whatnot and so um he said well you know i see you as uh, studying uh, uh, marketing economics and finance in that order well before i went to san diego state um my dad got in the real estate business the year before i went to school there and um when i came home after that first year and receiving my student loan invoices that i wasn't willing to take on to go to so i ended up going to csun in northridge um my parents' life had improved quite a bit, and um, and I was watching from the outside. And I always liked architecture and whatever. But you know, I had a I had a full time job. I went to school full time, and then when I was nineteen, I met a guy named Brian Troop. And Brian, uh, I ended up working with Brian. I started with him in nineteen ninety five. So I had been in the business for fifteen years. We had uh, merged our family business with another company, um, but Brian and I met when we were nineteen, and he he built the largest real estate company in Ventura County and three a little over three years ago, he sold that company. Um, not all of it, but he completed the transaction uh, uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago, a year ago, April. And Pinnacle is an independent company. Trip Real Estate was an independent company. So I was able to essentially create a company under the umbrella of those companies. So I have, you know, it's not about me having my name on the door and it being called Gandel Realtors or Alex Gandel Realtors or whatever. It was about me working in an environment where I could actually do that, but take advantage of all of the assets that that company offered. So, you know, it was a business model that was around basically before REMAX and Keller Williams kind of started doing that kind of a thing.
0: Kind of that team uh, system. Yeah.
1: Which you have to build slowly and, you know, to to find the right people. But so so in the, within the community here, um, as, a, as my career progressed, um, there's a lot of things that I did that a lot of people do and a lot don't do. And one of the things that I found great joy in has been you know, community service, um, not with the expectation of receiving anything back, but it, it allowed me to meet a different type of person. So for example, serving on the board of directors at the Boys and Girls Club for 18 years here in town and being the president for two of those 18 years, I met a lot of really interesting people who were volunteer oriented and they were team players because it wasn't a political board of directors. The, The goal was to do everything we could to provide, generate as much money as, so we could provide the best services for the kids. And, you know, there's fundraisers and all kinds of fun things like that, but that's just a small part of it. And that goes to branding because you become better known obviously. In the old days, um, you know, it was all about newspaper advertising because that was the source before the internet. I mean, that's what people did. Well, you know, I I still advertise in the local newspapers for two reasons. Number one, there are four generations of home buyers and sellers and people still read the newspaper. Personally, I read the sports page in the business section every day of the times. I love it. And that's just what I do. But also that information is available digitally. So if you have somebody who for example, is coming to our community, and they and they are looking for a source of real estate, and um, they go to the local Ventura County Star on a Sunday. That ad that's in the Star in print is there digitally for for that consumer as well. So we know that it works, and we're trying to reach out to all those different you know generations potentially, and it went uh, as far as looking for buyers and also representing the sellers you know correctly, and. Um, when I was with the troop company, um, it very forward-thinking group of people, and and it was great to be able to share the ideas and then try to figure, you know, step back out, look back in, try to figure out what was and wasn't working, and and so on. So it's just been a progression of of keeping up with the times, but also doing things that have been more traditional, which have which have helped to create that brand.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good approach. In fact, um, we talked beforehand a little bit right before we started. um, You know, my husband and I were in the industry. His parents were, my husband's parents were also in real estate started a company and his grandparents were as well on both sides. So um, I remember at 23, get my license and you know, the way we shared listings was the big notebook, right? Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah, are you kidding? We had a book, exactly. Yeah. And And the buyers didn't know anything about the listings. So you know, in those days, like you would go to the multiple listing service, and if you had a seller that really needed to sell, you could pitch the three and a half or a four percent listing commission. We, we used to, you know, we used to have bonuses of trips to Hawaii, and you know, the the uh, um, gosh, it, it's been so long; our kids were so little. But we, my wife and I, love Lake Tahoe. So we bought it. We bought a timeshare many years ago on the lake in and, and South Tahoe, but not on State Line. So it's, it's a very pretty place. And we used to give trips to Lake Tahoe away to get people to show our listings. So you know, because that was the way the communication was done. Yeah, and, uh, But obviously, that's not the case anymore.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. There's, they're definitely, and and I think you're right in the whole relationships being the kind of the common thread because um, a lot, a lot of the methods have changed. Um, you know, some efficiencies have happened and adjustments in the value proposition that real estate agents have. Um, And and such. So, um, another thing that you mentioned being something that you're strong at is just the level of service and communication and guidance, and that those have been factors in your success. If you were talking to an agent just starting out or trying to improve your business, what are some habits that you would recommend who want to improve in that area?
1: So, education is so critical with regards to. being a technician, right? You you have to have knowledge of, of your area. You know, if you're farming an area, you certainly need to know the names of the floor plans, the layouts, you need to know everything about that 200 or 400 or 500 houses or whatever it is, you need to track them. You know, you need to be, stay on top of all of that. And, and technically that's important. But a lot, because especially a lot of the younger people don't, they, you know, there's not a whole lot of handshake business that happens anymore. And I get comments from people, other realtors, saying, "Why do you have a live signature on all these, all these contracts?" It's because I've met with my clients. You don't just docu sign everything. How do you have the time for that? Well, as you progress in business, and here I'm going to, next year will be 40 years. I have a full time staff, so you know I can set my day up where I'm not doing their job. I'm doing my job, and that's part of the relationship thing. And the clients appreciate you know you taking the time to meet with them. Um, And I think that's very critical. Um, I think it would set a new agent apart huge. But with that being said, that new agent needs to know that contract backwards and forwards. And they need to know everything about it. And it's okay to say, I don't know and I'll get back to you. And then you make sure you get back as quickly as possible. But uh, um, an example of that happened just yesterday. I had a phone call from somebody who um, was looking for an agent to sell their mom's place in Northern California and they live in a uh, in, in an area that I farm, and um, I've never met them, but they called and they said that uh, they were going to, her mom, unfortunately, it passed last month, and they wanted to use the real estate person that um, sold her, her mom her place up in Placerville, California, and when they met with the realtor up there, uh, the realtor said, I'll get back to you, and the realtor took four days to get back to them, mm-hmm. so this woman, her name is um, Leslie, she said, hey, Alex, you know, i um, can you find me a realtor up there? So I called our reload department, I got all the information. The realtor called me last night. Um, I told them that it would be today sometime, that realtors already contacted them, they have a listing appointment with them this evening. Um, They're blown away by how quickly it happened and it literally took me two phone calls. So maybe 10, 15 minutes to get the information. And then I put it in the hands of the people, Cheryl, my assistant, my main assistant, who called our reload director, forwarded all the information Off it went to Placerville. I had a short conversation with that realtor, gave him, you know, gave him the green light, boom. Leslie called me this morning, just blown away at how quickly this happened. And, you know, those are tools. So it's about tools. It's about playing to your strengths. It's about knowing, you learn obviously as you go by, but taking every class you can on contracts, on spheres, on farming, on all the old things that have worked for so many years. Um, I know it's a long-winded answer, but that's really kind of what the way it goes.
0: That's true. It's true. Those things are really important. And um, one of the things um, that now, first, before I go into that, have you do you mentor other agents? Do you have other agents that work with you? What is the dynamic in your office and in your So, business? so my
1: staff, my staff is uh, I have Cheryl Clayton, who is a licensed realtor, who is basically my marketing director, if you will, but she can sell. Um, She's basically, her job is to help me to maintain uh, and grow and nurture all the client relationships. Um, My wife, Janet's a part of that because she does the client appreciation. She's the one that gets the birthday cards together every month and the anniversary cards for the clients, which I personally handwrite every one of them. Um, They're custom made cards with my team is on there and Cheryl's designed everything and so on. And, and And I realized for newer agents these are things like they're probably going holy moly, but it evolves into that. Um, then I have Jennifer Arongo, who's also a licensed realtor. She's my transaction coordinator. She came to me last year after my prior coordinator, Wells Miller, retired. And um, I recently brought Wells back as Jennifer's assistant because Jennifer, um, is a single mom and I, she was working too late and she wasn't getting home to be a mom. And I said, that's just not acceptable. So I asked Wells if she would work remotely to help Jennifer. So there's Wells. Uh, my son, Brad, is not on my team, but he's here to help out. He's he's what we're trying to do with him. He started out of college six and a half years ago. And what I'd like for him to do is build his own name. The Gandell name is known in Simi Valley, but I don't want him to be known as Alex's son. I want him to be known as Brad Ganville, because one day when I do slow down and pull back that transition, he needs to have acknowledgment of who he is. Um, Renee Malankin is our uh, um, administrative assistant. She's also a licensed realtor. So she assists Cheryl. She assists Jennifer. She assists me. She assists Brad. And she's a buyer's agent. And um, so she can go do all that kind of stuff as well. So that's kind of my, that's my Alex Gandel business model here. <laughs> okay. and, I, and I built it one person at a time.
0: Okay. So in all that time uh, that you spend mentoring and kind of being there for people who are building their own careers, um, I another thing I'd asked you before was something that you're passionate about talking to other agents about when it mm-hmm. comes to growing the business. And you said, um, you mentioned timely and honest communication and to remain calm were some of the things that, you feel you would want to impart can you talk a little bit more on that
1: well we all know that real estate's an emotional business and um i've been told over the years and you can hear my voice that i've got a very calming voice I'm on the phone in the evening you know when people are all wound up and you just listen you have to listen first so that's why you have two ears right that's the old adage two ears, one mouth you listen and you and you pay attention to what people are saying but the reality of it is that um Real estate people that are, and we've all run into them that like to—they're control freaks. They like to wind things up. Um, they wind their clients up. They create drama. Um, that's just a—that's just a no-no. That just—you can't do that. Um, you need to diffuse those types of circumstances, and um, and the reason you need to do that is because decisions have to be made all on on and off all day long, and clearly. If somebody is calm and, and focused, they'll make it'll be easier for them to make a decision based on information that they're receiving. If the, if the source of the information to the client is one of um, edginess and anxiety and, 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 and just intensity, um, that's how the client's going to receive the information. If the information, and it's, it's not always good news like I was telling you this morning about this thing that I started my day with, but when I delivered that bad news to the client, I did it very calmly. And what I tried to do was have a solution at the same time that I had to deliver the bad news. And unfortunately, I didn't have that solution, but I explained it to the client what the process of trying to find the the solution to the problem was going to be throughout the course of the day. And it helps soften the blow of the fact that their buyer is walking away from the purchase of their home. And so um, it's very important that the real estate person is not the most motivated person in the transaction. And sometimes that does happen. And even if you, even if you don't have two nickels to rub together, you know, and you're staring at that commission and your behavior is based on that, the people that you're working with are going to know that. And in the long run of your business career, you won't get the referrals back because they'll know that all you were after was their money. Mm -hmm. And you you just can't do that. It's just not, it's, first of all, it's wrong. Um, But it's, it's, it's the wrong way to conduct yourself in business and a business like ours. Yes, we all deserve to get paid, but the, you know, we were hired to do a job, which is sell the house or help them find the home. If we do our job, we will get paid.
0: So keep the main thing, the main thing. Right. So, and I like that even with all your experience and the level of success that you've achieved, that you're still committed to growth. Um, what are one or two things that you struggle with today when it comes to growing sales?
1: Well, there's there's a lot less um, loyalty than there used to be in the old days, and that goes back to the relationship. Um, what happens? What's happened to me over time is that um, I didn't start farming until maybe 12, 13 years into my career. And if I would have started farming immediately, my farm would be bigger than it is now. But growth. It comes in multiple ways. And what 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 happens is as we go through our lives is our spheres are ever changing, our spheres of influence. For example, when you're, you know, when my wife and I got married, I was just shy of 30. We started our family immediately. Our first son was born, you know, less than a year later. And when he was four, he's loved sports. He was playing soccer. Well, guess what? I had a sphere of soccer families and he played soccer for all those years. Then he got into basketball. Then we had that. Our other son, Jared, that's his name is Brad, he's the one that works here. Then there's Jared, he came along three and a half years later, turns out he was into music. So that was a different sphere. Then there was the sphere from the Boys and Girls Club and I'm on the foundation board at the hospital. And There's the sphere from there. And then there's the community sphere for supporting other organizations. And, and your sphere is ever changing as your life evolves, right? But you have to, that's, that's where growth comes from. And, and if you're not always trying to uh, find a way to perpetuate and grow your sphere, which means that you'll be able to touch more people, your business can't grow. And that requires investment of time and money. And that can't happen until you have a little extra money. So as a real estate uh, person is beginning their business, they don't need to be intimidated by somebody, say like me, who's been around for a long time. What they need to do is they need to understand the business model, apply it to their budget, which is minimal for most people when they start, Um, If it's a person who's retired from another career, that's a different story. But, and then they they just do the things within their financial capabilities that will allow them to continually grow. At some point you say, well, you know, I've had enough. I don't want to grow anymore. I'm not there yet. I'm just, the fire still burns. I mean, that's what it is. And I also want to make sure that whenever the time comes that I hand this thing off to my son, that it's an optimal machine running at peak. That he can then take to whatever level he chooses to, even if he wants to wind it back a little bit. That'll be entirely up to him. But I'm driven by by the knowing that I can make it bigger. It's not about greed. It's about personal challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you, if if I didn't like what I was doing anymore, if I if I was so fed up with um, all of the challenges we have. Well, then that would be a different story. But I, I guess I'm like a fixer or a problem solver. That's kind of my mentality. Yeah.
0: So that's where yeah. I wanted to grow. Yeah. So are, are there any areas that you struggle with now when it comes to growth?
1: Well, the problem is that, for example, for me, yes, I do. I don't have the time that I used to have to haul buyers around. And, I, and I've always enjoyed doing that. And that's a personal struggle because the days just aren't long enough. And so that's why I have help here because I'm managing you know, a lot of things at the same time, plus being a husband and a father and a son, um, you know, and an uncle and a life. So those are, those are my personal challenges. Um, time is probably the biggest challenge when it comes to growth.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, I, that's a common one and different in every way. So I think that's helpful just to keep that in mind. Um, and and it's good to know like it doesn't it's always something that we're trying to manage too right it's not like you've ever arrived, right it's, no it seems like everybody's always got that struggle but it's like oh okay I put out I put it out in this area now it's popping its head up over here so right. just kind of just sticking with it and you know continuing to improve
1: when when the troop company became a century twenty one company it was a different. It was a different mindset, and I and I respect that and understand that, and, and it just wasn't for me. After having been an independent person for so long, the franchise thing didn't work for me. Not that that's a bad thing, because it, it isn't a bad thing. Obviously, they're great, they're and they work for many, many, many people. But um, the pinnacle thing, the first thing I did was I met with the four owners, and I said, I want you guys to take a look at how I'm running my business, and they all have different strengths, and each one of them play to their strengths, which is one of the reasons why I was intrigued by them as a company. And they had pursued me for three years, which was very humbling actually. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that when I met with two, three of them, actually, um, cause the one of them, his name is Jeff. He's basically the, he, he, he's the money guy. And the other three are more the the help the agent kind of guys. They gave Cheryl and I some suggestions on farming and, and whatnot. And we started, at, and also on maintaining contact with the sphere in a different way. And we started doing some of those things in addition to what we were doing. And I've seen the growth already, and I've only been here since February. Um,
0: nice.
1: Market share has picked up in some farms that I wasn't getting what I was used to getting. Um, it, you know, it's about being open to learning always.
0: Awesome. Well, very good. So, well, good for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, the next segment is what I call Rapid Fire Tool Chest. So I'm gonna say something and you briefly tell me your favorite tool, person, whatever the appropriate response is. And you can say pass if you can't think of something or if it's, you know, a trade secret or something. <laughs> okay, that's fine. okay, so are you ready?
1: Sure. All righty. Okay.
0: Uh, time blocking, do you do it? And if so, what tool do you use?
1: Time blocking, yeah, my calendar is Google.
0: Oh, Google Calendar, very good.
1: Yeah, because I can share it with everybody.
0: Yep. That's so awesome. we all,
1: everybody knows what we're doing.
0: Yeah. A good way to leverage. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Favorite technology.
1: Favorite technology. I don't like technology. Um,
0: <laughs> the kind that is like a sticky note.
1: Well, <laughs> You want to see some? <laughs> good. <laughs> My phone. I, I talk on the phone.
0: Perfect. Best C Are your favorite CRM.
1: Um, Pass.
0: Okay. Sales pipeline management. How do you manage from lead to, to getting the appointment? Uh,
1: The follow-up is scheduled for me. Um, I block out time to make phone calls. Um, I block out time to send emails. I block out time to write personal notes. Um, And it's just managing the conversation with the, with the individual and staying in touch. You know, some people, you have to ask how, what they're preferred choice of communication is for some people It's simply texting they don't how, like to talk on the telephone
0: how do you keep track of those people like how do you keep track of like these are the people you know like a prospects or you know like
1: oh we actually we actually sit down three times a week and go through the list and update it and, and Cheryl manages a lot of that for me
0: okay so like a spreadsheet or
1: yeah it's pretty simple we don't have a it's not I don't we don't use a top agent or anything like that um it's easier to sit down and prioritize them and, and you prioritize them through your communication with them. You know, you understand like sometimes I've, I I just wrote a birthday card to somebody this morning and we've been talking on and off for two years about them selling and moving. And they're, they're obviously not a a candidate and, um, but they're still late and they're still going to be followed up with, you know, quarterly, if you will.
0: How about transaction management?
1: Transaction management is done by, by Jennifer and by Wells and they CC me on everything, but I use the same escrow officer for everything, the same support staff they have for everything. When I came to the new company and we switched who we were using, um, we had a meeting as to what their expectations were, what our expectations were. We created our business plan with them and that's how it works. And so I'm not sitting here daily doing Jennifer's job. She's, She's managing all of that like where Cheryl's managing the listings, Jennifer's managing the escrows with Wells as her backup. And, um, and then we all work together and I'm CC'd on everything. And again, I'm on the phone all day long,
0: Okay. Constantly. Awesome. And what are one of your favorite books right now?
1: One of my favorite books? When I get a chance to read, um, believe it or not, I read a lot of just fun stuff. I don't read too many business books. Um, I just finished a book uh, by Stuart Woods, and the main character is Stone Barrington. And uh, he's a retired New York homicide detective who became an attorney who became a billionaire through a series of escapades. It's pretty funny stuff. but it's for me it's a release. Nice. You know, i re- I read a lot of business things throughout the day. Um uh, I read The Wall Street Journal. I read the l a Times business section. I read the real estate section on from The Times every Saturday, you know. I go online and read everything about real estate I can. Obviously, I follow the markets. So when I get a chance to read, I read for fun.
0: That's awesome. Well, good for you. Who has been an overall mentor to you?
1: I've actually probably had four or five mentors throughout my life and for different reasons. Um, My dad obviously was a mentor. and My dad was was a guy who was a his way or no way kind of guy. And, you know, mentor, you can learn what to do and what not to do from are lessons in either direction. That's not that. That doesn't make them a bad person. Uh, it just means that sometimes what some people do are not. They may not apply to the way you want to live your life. Uh, Brian Troop, I mentioned him. He's definitely not only a mentor, but a but a dear lifelong friend. Uh, my father-in-law Kenny. Uh, he was uh, one of the sweetest, most gentle, and kind people I've ever met in my life, and um, he uh, he showed me um, some things that. I, I really didn't. I had never thought about with regards to, just the way he treated uh, Janet's mom. Um, Brian's dad, Mark, uh, was a very, uh, a very interesting man. He was also in real estate, but he was the kind of guy who taught me how to step out and look back in, Mm. and um, and in my life that's been an incredible resource. and I, I'm not going to get specific with how it happened, but there was something happening within the family, and I knew there was going to be a challenge. And we were talking. He could tell something was bothering me on that day, and he asked me what was wrong, and I told him. And he'd known me for years, obviously. Um, and he said, you know, you need to be the parent in this situation, so I need you to, what you want to do is step out, look back in. If it happens, you treat them like your children. And it certainly was a conflict and it involved family at a family function and i did exactly what he said and it worked perfectly and so that he's another one and then the last one his name was tiger palmer i met tiger in 1982 he was a retired lieutenant colonel from the marine corps who became a real estate broker after the korean war in the san fernando valley self-made multi gazillionaire ran a small little company um i never knew any of my grandpa's uh, my my the grandpa that i knew passed away when i was uh nine So I never had a long-standing relationship with a grandpa. So Tiger became kind of a grandpa to me, uh, not just in a real estate sense, but in a personal sense. He and his wife, Janet, were at our wedding and there for the kids, you know, over the years and whatever. And he actually passed away at 96. Mm -hmm. So those are my five mentors. Very nice.
0: What is a a training resource that you swear by?
1: Training resource. I think that every agent should attend every office meeting especially if they present value because um there's an opportunity to interact with people and learn about the training schedules different companies offer different training schedules and i think that especially for the new agent it's all about being a sponge Mm -hmm. and like like i started out saying earlier about i was going to be an accountant and i fell into the real estate thing i think within the real estate business there are many different ways that you can do it right you can be a big listing agent you can be a first-time buyer's rep you can be a reo person you can be whatever but the only way you're going to figure out which avenue you want to pursue within the grand scheme of the real estate business is to expose yourself to everything and then see what feels most natural to you and for many people it's a buyer's agent and for many it's like for me especially at this point in my career it's a listing agent but I didn't begin to learn that part of the business. Had I not been open to it in 1993, which was a terrible time to be starting up a farming business, the market was terrible, and then here we were impacted by the 94 earthquake as well. Um, Had I not been open to it, it never would have happened. Yeah.
0: How about the most underrated resource in your industry?
1: The most underrated resource is a telephone. Okay. To be used as a telephone, not as a not as a computer <laughs> and not as a texter. Hey, how you doing? Just was thinking about you. I know I hadn't talked to you in six months and I was just going through some stuff here. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna give so-and-so a call and hope everything is well and everything's good with you. Don't bring up real estate, just a quick, cut. hey, how you doing? And then mark your calendar and call them again in six months, you know, just thinking about you. And, you know, I'm always here if you know anybody thinking about buying or selling real estate. And and when you do that kind of stuff, take the three minutes and write a personal card. Appreciated your time on the phone today. Hope to hear from you soon. through your business card in there. Boom, off it goes. It also creates karma. It creates mm. energy in a very positive way. It, it's it's like very it's a it's a very understated thing. I guess this is the answer to the last question. But yeah. it's just action. Action creates action.
0: Well, it's like building an actual relationship <laughs> instead of a "what can you do for me" relationship. So, I think it's uh, my son was that, having
1: uh, a tough day a couple of weeks ago, and I said, "Why don't you go knock on some doors?" It's, you know, he's he's working a small farm. I said, you know, you're having a hard day, go knock on some doors. What's the worst thing, worst thing that's gonna happen, right? So he went out door knocking. He didn't get anything from the door knocking, but his phone rang within hours with a referral.
0: Hmm.
1: Was that referral gonna come his way anyway? Probably, but did it did it not make him think, gee, if I go out and knock on doors, maybe I, it'll, you know, make, was that the action that prompted the referral? Well, who would ever know that? But he put the energy out there that I'm going to work today and it came back to him.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Well, I've got one more question, but before I do, is there anything that I didn't ask that maybe I should have that you'd like to share?
1: No, I, I, I hope I was able to answer your questions, you know, fully, and, yeah. and that my answers were, you know, comprehensible, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, they totally were, I think. I think, I'm, yeah. I'm a
1: storyteller, you know, that's kind of what I've done my whole life anyway, and that's, maybe that's something I should say. Sometimes, you know, especially when you think about life and your, regardless of what your age is, you've always had experience in life. And so a resume, for example, a resume is one of the greatest tools that a realtor could ever use. And most of them don't have one. Mm -hmm. And if you went to my website, my resume's there. Um, I send them out all the time. Sure. Has it been around for a long time? Has it evolved? Absolutely. But you know, when you're in college or you're, or you're, as you go through high school, for example, right, and you you, you, you uh, got awards for things, you maybe worked at a, a private school as a coach, you know, you you, you received um, acknowledgements for things, you made the varsity team, You then you went to college and you majored in whatever, or you studied this, or you took a class in that, or that's how, you know, if those are what your life, at that point in your life, if you're 25 years old and that's what you've done and you've held two jobs, right, and you put those on your resume. And, and the consumer, when you when someone reaches out to you or however you meet them and you send a, a letter, which I've got a gazillion letters that I can just go to and then change the way I want for that person, it takes three minutes to write a really nice letter. Once, you've had, once you have the letter, you can personalize it and you throw your resume in there, boom, out it goes. I guarantee you there's nobody else that's doing that. That's number one. Number two, make sure that they always know that they're your priority, right? Not that they, not that they have the right to contact you 24 seven, it's okay to drop boundaries. And it's certainly okay to take days off. Because if you don't do that mentally, you'll burn out anyway. Mm -hmm. And you won't think clearly, but and our business doesn't allow that as much as it used to because of, you know, the fact that we all have a cell phone. But, you know, if you say to somebody like, for this hour, I told three different people that said, you know, can I talk to you during my lunch hour? And I said, I, I can. not I've got this conference call. I promise you I'll call you as soon as I'm done. And I will. And, you know, if you're on an appointment and you're with clients and your phone rings, unless it's your family, don't answer it. They're, you're there. It's their time. And if they're looking to you for guidance, the last thing they want you to do is answer the phone and start talking to somebody about some other real estate thing so you can show them how busy you are. You know, people
0: want you to be present
1: they want well yeah. they, if, they, if they've if, they, if they've given you your time you owe them your time yeah
0: yeah that's
1: you know, good those are really critical things when you're driving don't drive like a maniac in the neighborhood that you live in or where you're working um it's okay to farm in your own neighborhood in fact it's a great idea to farm where you live because they're your neighbors um open houses public open houses i still do them um Years ago, I had somebody tell me that everybody should have magnetic signs on their car. And even if you're not farming, park your car in your farm and just stick the signs on it and go, go and go go to the beach with your wife or whatever. For that day, they'll think you're out knocking on doors because they'll see a car with signs on it, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. But, but really, you know, and that speaks to the branding, right? You You just have to create your brand, create your look, stick to it, don't change it. Make sure you keep your photograph updated. Don't mm-hmm. put your high school picture on your card if you're 50 years old.
0: <laughs> oh, come on now. So
1: <laughs> well, you know, you'd be surprised.
0: <laughs> well, you
1: know, but... I have... oh, go, ahead. go ahead. That's fine.
0: Oh, um, well, I, I was just going to ask my last question. So sure. was there anything you wanted to add before I, I do? Because it's a complete shift in gears. So... No, I just,
1: okay. you know, I was just thinking of those things. And, and I know they sound kind of silly, but it's just common sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am a huge foodie, so I always end my podcast with this question. What is your favorite dish, and where do you get it?
1: My favorite dish. Probably my favorite dish, which we don't do often at all, is the, the gym. Oh, gosh, Jim something cut at Lowry's on uh, Wilshire and La Cienega and Beverly Hills with every side they have. Um, it's a bone-in cut of prime rib. You could eat on it for two days if you want to. (laughs) We might go there once a year if we, you know, that's a lot for us. But it's a phenomenal, phenomenal meal. It's absolutely extraordinary if you like that kind of food.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, good. My daughter lives in West Hollywood, so we'll have to look that up when we're in the neighborhood.
1: Lowry's is awesome. And I will tell you that that, um, the first time we ever went there, which was maybe 10 years ago, uh, I had a bone-in cut, and we were going to a Bob Seeker concert, so it was a special thing. It was for my wife, so we took a limo, you know, and the whole, the whole nine yards. And um, it was for her birthday, so we, we, we go in. I get this, you know, this cut of this, this prime rib that's just unbelievable, and they, and they actually serve you at your table in these carts that were built by hand <laughs> in the 30s or the 40s when they opened up Lowry's. Uh-huh. The chef's got the big tall white hat on, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. So anyway, we're, we're eating and I'm full and it's time to get going. At the time well, we have a couple dogs, I would love my dogs. And, um, I said, Hey, can you guys have an extra bone? Well, we sell bones for dogs. You're kidding. So I bought three more bones. So I have four bones. So I go into the men's room. I have my bones. I didn't have a (laughs) quamber in because it wasn't food I was taking home. And I set it on the counter, and this guy looked at me like I brought my food into the men's room. And I said, No, they're bones for my dog. He goes, Got bones for your dog? And I said, Yeah, they're two bucks a piece. And I opened it up, and you could see they were bones. And he's like, Oh my God, I have four German shepherds. I got to go see if I can go find some bones. So, um, Aww. Every time we go there, we get the dogs a couple bones, and they think we walk on water, and everybody's happy. And
0: that's so, great. That's happy. a great tip too. So everybody, that's what you can do when you go there. That's awesome.
1: Two, two <laughs> bucks for a it. bone for your dog, and, and most of the people that leave the meat on the bone, your dog is going to be really, really happy.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, it sounds like there's enough meat to feed an army. So that's it's crazy. That's a it's great.
1: The rest, it's the restaurant where they take the 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 football teams that are playing in the Rose Bowl and give them all they can eat. At, at, at oh.
0: Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being here. I just really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for having me and I hope I was helpful. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book, so, you know, I've been very fortunate and blessed. And, and for those of you that are listening, branding is just the most important thing you can ever do because, you know, within your communities in particular, if they know who you are, if you're, if you're sitting in a restaurant and someone walks up to you and says, hey, are you that realtor, Alex Gandel, or whatever your name might be, then you know your branding is really working well. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. And, of course, that means keeping it up online and, you know. Oh, that's one last thing I want to say real quickly. Do not be afraid to ask your clients for referrals or also for for them. You know, send them links to Yelp and Google and everywhere that you can think to ask them to write something nice about you if they're happy with your service. If it's been a tough deal, obviously, you don't want to do that. But if, if you had a good experience, because the more recommendations you get, the higher up you go and the better off you'll be.
0: That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well, and I and I do think you gave us some really good takeaways. I kind of going back to the beginning, I really liked what you were saying about just the things that, and this is one thing that I say a lot too, but I, I really liked how you expanded on it was, you know, there are all these things that we do, That work. I mean, they just work. So no matter Mm -hmm. how much time goes by, they still work. It's just all about adjusting the methods sometimes or adjusting how we do it. So I I just really appreciated uh, appreciated that. So I think that those are some things that we can all take away um, as very helpful. So, And thank you so much to everyone for listening, too. Um, Thank you, Alex, for being here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Taylor over here, um, right next to me over here, helping making sure everything goes really smoothly. Thank you to her.
1: And remember, the best is yet to come.